0: Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked On Wolves. Today on the show, what's wrong with Anthony Edwards? What has his biggest issue been to date so far this season? I also want to look at how the Wolves have played since Carlton Anthony Towns went out. What's upcoming? What games are winnable? Which ones are going to be a lot tougher with no cat? We'll also preview Wolves Clippers for Wednesday night. It's all upcoming. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves Podcast. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody, happy hump day, and happy Timberwolves Game Day. A big thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple or Google or Spotify or Odyssey. You can find this show. You can also, of course, watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. That's on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7, and it is free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on either Roku or Amazon Fire TV. And also, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Lockdown Wolves. Don't forget the T. And also at B Beacon is my account. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right. Uh, so the Wolves coming off of an ugly loss, in actually two ugly losses. Well, two losses, one less ugly, one pretty ugly on Monday night in Portland. And uh, they head to LA to take on the Clippers Wednesday night. It's an ESPN broadcast. And a really difficult team uh, to play against that's now healthy uh, for the most part. And I mean, it's going to be a tough one. I want to preview that at the end of the show today. That leads into Friday night at the Wolves in Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder, who also played well, um, all things considered. But I want to start the show today by talking a little bit about Anthony Edwards and how difficult it's been to, I, I guess, try and put our finger on collectively, I think, exactly what's gone on with him so far this season. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been fits and starts, right? There was the really rough preseason, the start to the regular season that was tough for Ant. And then he had a couple of really impressive games mixed in there, and it felt like he was, okay, we're right back on track with what Anthony Edwards did last year, late in the season, March, April, and into the playoffs against the Memphis Grizzlies. And then we were right back to kind of inefficient performances. Like, seriously, if you look at his game log, right, the preseason was rough. Opening night against the Thunder, he scores 11 points on 17 shots. Was one of seven from three. Um, just not an impressive performance. And a couple of semi, you know, kind of inefficient shooting performances. Then he has a three of fifteen in that loss to the Spurs, nine points, shoots three of fifteen. And then all of a sudden he's 34 against the Spurs and the Wolves get a, a double-digit win. Then he scores 29 against the Lakers in that nationally televised game. Shoots over 50% for the field across those two games, over 50% for three. And everybody says, okay. This is where we're at, this Ant's back, right? This is what he did last March, April, uh, last February, March, April. And then he kind of has this run of games, similar story. He has a four for 12 against Phoenix mixed in, he has a five for 13 against Cleveland, just 10 points in that win at the Cavs against the, sh- the shorthanded Cavs team. And then he's got some other relatively efficient games here recently. The rebounding's ticked upwards, we'll talk about that. But it's the consistency, right? Just a couple of nights ago in the win at Utah, Ant was like one of the few guys that didn't play well. 14 points and 14 shots. Then he turns around and plays well on Saturday in Portland has 26, 7, and 6. Shoots 50% from the floor as the Wolves lose. Eh, maybe not a heartbreaker, but a relatively close game. And then an absolute stinker um, of a performance overall on by the Wolves on Monday. And Ant's a big part of that. Yes, he was three for three on threes against Portland, but he had three assists two turnovers, only two rebounds in the game on Monday. And other than his three made threes, I mean, he shot three of 13 from two point range and on all two point attempts. So it's really a roller coaster of a season. And, and I think you could make the argument that all things considered his performance hasn't really been that much worse than the body of work from last year. It's the lack of progression. I think that's most concerning is maybe not the right word. Um, I, we'll call it disconcerting which is I think maybe not quite to the level of concerning I know I'm splitting hairs here like I don't I'm not pulling the fire alarm on ant I said this in the uh, the post game pod on I think it was Tuesday following Monday night's show or Monday night's game like this isn't sky's falling time for Anthony Edwards but I think we have to take this half step backwards and say like okay what hasn't gone as planned for ant well the rebound rate is up and I've been harping on him needing to rebound more. I, I mean he's not quite as big of a culprit as Jaden McDaniels, but the rebound rate is up. The defensive rebounding has been good. I think the assist rate, even though it's down slightly from last year, while well, the turnover rate is up, I don't I like I don't have an issue with how ant has been passing or not passing the ball. Like I, I think he's done a pretty good job and he continues to improve as a distributor and pick and roll facilitator being asked to play a little bit of point guard as well. I think he's doing well there. The steal rate has come up here of late. He had that run, or actually still has a run. Uh, Let's see, I have it here. Uh, He's had two or more steals in every game going back to that Golden State loss Thanksgiving weekend. Um, So that's seven consecutive games now with two or more steals. And he had that uh, five steal performances and consecutive six steal performances mixed in there. So the steal rate, which was much lower, is now up to 2.4%, which is great. So what have the issues been? Oh, I should also say the three-point rate is up. Three-point percentage is up. 36% for three, which is nearly a half point better than where he finished last season. So the body of work, like the rebounding's improved, the three-point shooting percentage is improved, the steal rate's improved. I th- in my opinion, assist to turnover, that's basically going to be flat. I think he's doing well there. The eye test would say it's not alarming. So what are the issues? Well, Ant is just not making as many shots at the rip, and Well, the free throw rate is up, and I'm going to give my theory on that. The free throw percentage is also down a few points. So you combine all those things, he's just making less shots at the rim. And even though he's getting fouled, he's almost kind of sort of giving those points back, a chunk of those back by shooting worse at the free throw line. The biggest concern for me is the actual not making making shots at the rim. Right, so within twelve feet, according to StatMuse, uh, which which divides according to zones, within twelve feet, Anthony Edwards is shooting fifty seven point seven percent. League average is just a hair under sixty percent. So he's roughly a little over two points, two point two points below league average, two point two percentage points below league average from within twelve feet in 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 the painted area. Um, Ant should not be below league average at the rim given his size, given his athleticism, given his strength. I know that like the Rudy Bears the world, right? The bigs that only shoot the ball from that range skew that number a bit because this is overall league average. It's not specific to wings or guards, but still on the flip side, you've got guys that, you know, like, you know, uh, that don't shoot the ball at the rim very often or aren't good in the paint that are obviously in this as well. And it should be better than league average at the rip. Given all those reasons I just cited, uh, you know, Size, athleticism, length, strength, shooting, touch, all those things. For context, though, this isn't all that much worse than last year. In fact, last year is 57.1%, which was almost identically, you know, what was it? 2.1% below league average last season. So not a drastic change. We're just going on consecutive years in which Ant is below league average at the rim, which again, there's really no excuse for that. Ant should be shooting the ball better than below league average at the rim. Now, his attempts at the rim are up. Uh, So I'm using at the rim loosely, right? Because I was talking about out to 12 feet within the paint still. If you look at Basketball Reference and they do it by zones, um, so they have a zero to three foot uh, category, his percentage of shots shot within three feet of the basket is up almost four and a half points, which is outstanding. Um, 32.6%. So almost one out of every three of Anthony Edwards' shot attempts are coming within three feet of the rim, which is great. But again, he's making less of them. So if we narrow that 12 foot down where he's making 57% to within three feet, he's making 63.9% of shots within three feet of the basket, which is good, not great. That's almost three points worse. Sorry, almost two points worse than last year. He was 65.8% within three feet, which doesn't sound like a lot, but two points isn't nothing, obviously, right? Um, He's been better in that three to 10 range, which is what pulls him closer to league average overall within 12 feet. But the percentage within three feet is down. The free throw rate is up, which is great. But again, the free throw percentage is down. So really he's only making about a half a free throw more per game, even though the rate is up significantly because he's just shooting uh, three, four point points worse at the line than what he had done last year. Um My theory here is that Ant is making that concerted effort to get into the paint. Early in the season, it was chemistry issues, spacing issues with Rudy. I think that's starting to get figured out, and Ant is becoming a better lob thrower, a better pick-and-roll passer, Um, starting to to find that feel and and pick-and-roll with Rudy Gobert. But when Ant gets to the rim, I think he's taking it more often, which is allowing him to get to the free-throw line more. But I think he's making less at the rim. For two reasons, one, I actually do think he's getting fouled a lot and it's not getting called. I one hundred percent believe that, and I believed it last year. But I think because he's shooting the ball more at the rim, it's happening more often. And then the the um, the slide here, or the I guess the slippery the slippery slope, is that Ant is he is getting fouled and it's not getting called. And therefore, you know, Marty and I talked about this on the postcast after Monday's loss to Portland. He's in his own head about it, not quite maybe to the level of Carl Anthony Towns, but where he's complaining about getting fouled while he's trying to shoot at the rim. And I think some combination of all these things is impacting his ability to make shots at the rim. I also like, I think it's important to talk about maybe it's, I don't know if it's lack of focus or or what it is, but the same thing last year, right? Sometimes Ant was just better with his left hand than he was was with his right at the rim, and it didn't really make a ton of sense. It's the missed layups. There's just too many, and and I don't know, like if there's a technical reason for it. Um, Early this season, he wasn't dunking at all. He started to dunk more. He had a couple real nice ones in Portland, so that's at least starting to come up a little bit. That's obviously going to improve his percentage, and hopefully he gets more foul calls. But I think it's a combination of those things. Ant is far too talented of an offensive player, of an athlete to not be shooting above league average at the rim and to not be um, shooting better at just in general, better at the rim. He should be improving. He shouldn't be getting worse in terms of percentage at the rim. Those things have to change. And eventually, eventually, if he starts like as sad as this is, you know, if he builds some more um, credibility is not the right word, but if, if his stature improves as an elite level player in this league, He's not quite there yet, but if he can do that, perhaps he starts to get more foul calls. And then of course he's got to knock him down. Now I want to, I mean, he's shooting 75% at the line, so 75 and percent, which is fine, but he was almost 79% last year, is 77.6%. So that should come up a little and he can find another point, you know, half point to point per game just by making his free throws at a higher clip. Obviously he had that, that bad two of six in Portland really kind of helped bring that number down. But, um, in general, the shot selection's been fine. He shot a little bit less from outside the arc, but the percentage is better. He shot a little more from mid-range, which isn't ideal, but because but he's also shooting more at the rim. And again, that balances it out. So my biggest concern is that he doesn't get so in his head about not getting calls that it impacts his ability to make shots at the rim, period, whether or not he's getting foul calls. Eventually, he's going to get calls, he'll get more free throw attempts, and he'll ultimately make free throw attempts too. Um, but again, most of the rest of the, the stuff on the periphery is better for Ant, at least offensively. Defensively is another conversation. We've talked about the fits and starts there too, right? The completely inconsistent effort that he gives on the defensive end. But offensively, like I said earlier, the, the rebound rate being up is fantastic. The uh the the steel rate being up on the other, other end of the floor, the assistant turnover being pretty flat despite the usage going up a little bit. Like all that is good. He just has to make shots at the rim. Has to. That that will that will go a long way here uh, for the Wolves to win without Carl Anthony Towns. Speaking of Cat, I want to look at how the Wolves have played, and there's a, a a couple stats that might be surprising about how the Wolves have played without Carl Anthony Towns. And uh, you know, I think a lot of opinions. You know, we went from Friday night the Wolves. Winning a game in Utah and people, you know, these whispers about ah, the Wolves without cat, not so bad, huh? And then a couple of bad games in Portland. And now we're right back to thinking, man, what happened? What's going on with this team? And as usual, the answer lies somewhere in the middle. So I want to look at that here next. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Turo. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday or holiday, or find a conable affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. You can also test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. A big thank you once again for making Locked On Wolves your first listen today. Now for your second listen, go check out the Locked On Sports Today show. From the games that matter the most, the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, so the Timberwolves, with and without Carl Anthony Towns, we're only six games into this towns experience for the wolves. He got hurt during the wizards game. The wolves have gone three and three since then they've had three of their, I would say three of their five best wins, six best wins this season have come since towns has been out right. The home game against Memphis, which was the first game after towns went out and they, the second win over Indiana, so the home win, which was fine. Um, And then the win at Utah Friday, like other than that, you're talking like going way back to that Lakers game um, of course the first Indiana game at Indiana, which is the best complete game the Wolves have played all season uh, a few weeks ago. And there's maybe one other one in there. You could talk about shorthanded Philly or, you know, shorthanded Miami, I guess. I don't know, but, but I think three of the best five performances so far this year have come in the last six games with cat out at the same time, two of the worst, probably five performances and three overall disappointing losses have also come since then. home against Oklahoma city losing with no car on towns. Uh, what was it? Friday uh, or I don't know. Doesn't matter. A week and a half ago, and then the Portland debacle on Monday night, losing by twenty one to the Trailblazers, and uh, you know mixed in there also the other Portland loss. They've gone three and three with towns out, and our friend Dane Moore over at the Dane Moore NBA podcast tweeted this out. The Timberwolves with Cat, he tweeted this on Tuesday afternoon. Twenty one games with Cat, they went ten and eleven, nineteenth in offensive rating, defensive rating fourteenth. And 18th in net rating. Now, six games without Cat, obviously still a very small sample size. They're three and three. Offensive rating, 19th, identical to with Cat. Defensive rating, 13th, one spot better than with Cat. Net rating, 17th, one spot better than with Cat. Almost identical ratings league-wide. Offensive rating, defensive rating, net rating, with and without Cat. So if after Friday's win, you were saying, oh, man, They've beaten Memphis. They've won at Utah. They've looked really good without Cat. Maybe he's just you know complicating things, and and the Wolves could just go you know, Ant and Rudy are their stars, and Delo's kind of the next in line, and Jaden McDaniels can do his thing, and well, and then you could look at the last two games of Portland, and you say, man, this team is completely punchless without Karl Anthony Towns. Now offense wasn't the issue. But there just was something lacking, right? It was relying on D'Lo for mid range, and you know Ant staying quiet, and Rudy relying on teammates to get him lobs. There's something missing. That punch was missing. Carlton Anthony e. Towns is that punch that that isn't there right now. So the any of these, if anybody's making grand statements about the Wolves with or without Cat, or the Wolves being doomed with Cat as their you know one A or whatever, don't listen to those grand statements. I don't think a whole lot has changed in terms of results, as these numbers would suggest. The wolves are just the same team with the same problems, just missing their most consistent player. And I don't know that there's any rhyme or reason or any correlation. I guess is a better way to say it between not having Cat and you know Delo playing right. Like D'Lo's played his best ball of the season without Carlton T. Towns. Is that something schematic? I don't. Think so, right? I mean, D'Lo and Cat are really good at their roles in the pick and roll game. They play well together. They're a good two man group, two man pairing. Or is it just simply D'Lo like knows he needs to step up because there's no Carlton Towns. He's trying to cover for his buddy. He's there's more shots available, and so he's gotten a rhythm and felt more confident. It's been more noticeable because there's no Cat. I think it's probably more the latter. I think that it's all those things, right? I, I don't think it's because the Wolves are, I don't think it's because Delo plays better without Carlton Towns. I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. So, um, I mean, what does that look like moving forward? You look at the Wolves' upcoming schedule, obviously, at LA is going to be really tough. The Wolves actually, we'll talk about the matchup here in a minute. Carlton Towns is a nice advantage to have against a team like the Clippers, who otherwise match up really well with the Wolves, besides the fact that they're just really good. But the Clippers' roster matches up well with a Catless Wolves team. Against the Thunder, it shouldn't be any problem, although the Wolves just lost to the Thunder 11 days ago. Um, I like Going into that Thunder game, I was talking all about how the Wolves dominated the Thunder in the paint, on the glass the first two times they played. They should be able to do it with no towns, and of course they didn't and lost by seven. Um, and if they mess around again on Friday, they're going to find out again, this time in Oklahoma City. And then Chicago, a couple games against Dallas before things get really tough. And I think those are for the most part I, I, I mean games that they should be able to win without Carl Anthony Towns, right? Like this is this next week is a softer part of the schedule. Thunder Bulls, Dallas, Dallas. And their teams that the Wolves should be able to go small, quote unquote small. If you're watching if you're not watching on YouTube, I'm air quoting this, small. Um, with Rudy at the five and you know, Jane McDaniels or Kyle Anderson at the four, and like the they should be able to match up well against Chicago and Dallas. Obviously, it hurts not having Towns against Vucevic, but um, again, Rudy should be able to take on that challenge, and uh, the Wolves could could be creative with their lineups, which is another thing I think that that Chris Finch is still trying to figure out is how he's staggering his bigs with no Carl Anthony Towns. That's obviously easier said than done, but then things get really difficult. Before Towns gets back, you have Boston, Miami, New Orleans, Milwaukee, all on the road Four of the best, I don't know, I'd call them four of the best six or seven, maybe eight teams in the league. Um, I, I know Miami's had a lot of injuries and ultimately their record is, is not, not one of the top six or seven in the league, but I think they get back close to that level. They're certainly going to be a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. And Boston and Milwaukee absolutely are. New Orleans is knocking on the door with how they've been playing lately. So that's a, essentially a murder's row. Jimmy Butler's back for the Heats. So they're playing better. Um, and, you know, we're, that's, that's day after Christmas, the Wolves play the heat. Uh, but they beat the Clippers a couple of games ago and they went on the road at the Pacers last time out. So this is imperative. I said this the other day on the show, imperative that the Wolves, I, they have to win one of these two against the Clippers in Oklahoma city. And if you lump in Chicago and the two Dallas games, they have to go three and two over these five, so that they're at least at 500 heading into the week of Christmas with at Boston, at Miami, at New Orleans, at Milwaukee. Um, and then it doesn't get a whole lot easier after that either. Um, so Cat hopefully is back the first week of January. And, and uh, you know, that's that's a whole other multiple episodes of podcasts is how the Wolves reintegrate Cat at that point. Uh, but right now the task at hand is, can you beat the Clippers with no Cat? Can you beat the Thunder with no Cat? They couldn't do it a couple of weeks ago. Can they do it now? Um, and, and how do you match up against these teams? I want to talk specifically about the Clippers matchup. They are healthy they are red hot. It's going to be a really tough game for Minnesota. So I want to dive into that matchup here next. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by Bet Online. Betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. They've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. Um, Go check out the line for Wolves Clippers Wednesday. I bet the Wolves are significant underdogs. I'm going to guess seven and a half, eight points, if not more, at LA. Friday at Oklahoma City, that's going to be pretty close. My guess is the Wolves will be underdogs by a point, point and a half. Given how they've been playing and how the Thunder match up against them and, and how they played them a couple of weeks ago. So check out those lines at Bet Online. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to their website today at betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Betonline where the game starts. The LA Clippers are one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Um, and, uh, they're one of the, well, I shouldn't say one of the healthiest. They're finally healthy, I guess would be a better way to say that they're currently 16 and 13. They beat the Boston Celtics who are the best team in the league on Monday by 20 points by 20 points. They held them to 93 points. The Clippers have a serious defense. They won at the wizards the last time out. Um, but, but the, the headline here is that they're finally healthy. Kawhi Leonard's only played in nine games this season, but he's back now. He's played in four of the last five, and he's playing about 30 minutes per game uh, to this point. And the Clippers are a top five defense. Uh, they're, currently, they're currently sixth in defensive rating at basketball reference. Um, but again, a lot of that's without Kawhi Leonard. With Kawhi on the floor, this is easily a top five defense. They've got the personnel to do it. Paul George is still a good defender when needed. And uh, they've got a number of other guys, bigs that know what they're doing and Zubats and Morris and just a really deep bench. It's a tough matchup for Minnesota. I mean, you look at this Clippers roster and like, I mean, Robert Covington is not even a consistent member of this rotation. This guy was like starting for playoff teams like two, three years ago. Um, Like it's, it's real weird. Like the Clippers are in such a weird team in my mind because you take out Kawhi and Paul George and it's a completely toothless lineup. And I know that that's like, you're saying take out two guys who have been top 10 players very recently in the league and, and when completely healthy, probably both still are top 10 players in the league. I get that. But like some teams you take away their best couple of players, and there's at least somebody you're worried about. Like Reggie Jackson doesn't scare scare me. And of course he'll probably score 35 now, but like he's inefficient Um, without George and um, Leonard. I, I, you know, I, I don't, he doesn't worry me at all, right? There's not really anybody else. But with them, this depth just looks absolutely formidable because now you're not relying on Reggie Jackson. You have Avica Zubats to play his role. Marcus Morris plays his role. And then this bench, Nicholas Batum, John Wall, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard. These guys are all legit rotation players on really good teams that could start for a lot of playoff teams. Um, at least man canard and, and, uh, probably not Batum at this point, but man and canard for sure. And Robert Covington, again, a fringe rotation guy for this team, they go a legit 10 deep. And I feel, I still think the wolves have a decently deep roster that just hasn't quite figured it out yet. But the Clippers roster is so deep, so impressive, obviously a very good coach as well. Um, and just a tough matchup for Minnesota. Like I said, they're one of the league's better defenses, uh, will probably be top five when it's all said and done. They have really kind of a methodical offensive attack. They're not trying to play super fast, but they're relatively efficient, even though they're not rated well in terms of their offensive rating. Uh, what are they? Uh, 27th offensive rating wise. They don't play with a ton of pace, but they do make threes. They're 11th and three point percentage um, and they're 12th in three point rate. They're also 12th in free throw rate. So they shoot and make threes and they get to the free throw line And, uh, the percentage there isn't quite as good, but they get to the line a lot. So it's a relatively efficient, if not, um, it is efficient. It's an efficient offense. It's just methodical. They don't use a lot of possessions, but that's okay because their defense is so good. They're a good defensive rebounding team. They hold teams to one and done. They come back the other way at their own pace and they let Paul George or, um, Kawhi Leonard or Reggie Jackson go to town. They do their thing on offense and that's how they beat teams. Um, again, held the Boston Celtics to 93 points. A relatively healthy Boston team to 93 points on Monday. And uh it's a little worrisome what they could do to a townsless Wolves team on Wednesday, but we'll see if the Wolves are able to to counter what the Clippers do with, you know, if D can stay hot, if Ant can I mean he's due, right? It's a nationally televised game, it's an ESPN game. I feel like Ant's due for one of those big 35 point performances. We he hasn't scored a 35s as high in a game so far this season. We're a third of the way through. Is he due for a 40 point game? Uh, It feels like maybe in Los Angeles on ESPN after a stinker, you know, maybe, maybe that's Wednesday. I don't know. Um, It'd be a lot of fun if it was, Um, but we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. We have, we'll of course do the live postcast on the lockdown sports, Minnesota, YouTube channel, myself and Marnie Gellner for Valley sports North about 45 minutes or so following the game. So it'll be after midnight central time. If you can't catch that live, I understand. I'd love it if you could. But I understand if you can't, you can listen to it after the fact on Lockdown Wolves on any of our audio platforms, or you can go watch the video at Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube and uh, greatly appreciate that support. Of course, a big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere on all platforms, including our own YouTube channel, plus all of your favorite audio platforms and on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Podcast Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. For your next listen, go check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.